Mike and uh, Eddie, it's great to have you with us. Gisteren zo jullie gezien het met die gathering, dit Andrew deel van die van hij wat gaan we als daar wordt spaasie gemaakt in die Josh Jane groep, zodat ons beter kan omzien naar die verschillende gemeentes. En daar was zo drie groepen van Alfie governmental en die ouders het bezig is om governmental en dan die die translocal span en Mike is of Mike en Eddie is op die span op die governmental span en die die rol van hulle en val voor ons bezoekers. Dus ons het ons het mensen wat amper soos Paulus, Timotheus, Silas, Titus, die ouders in die in die Bijbel wat rond gaan naar die verschillende gemeentes om te kom bemoedig, om te kom versterk om te kom leer, om te kom kyk, gaan dinge goed, en as dit nie goed gaan nie, hoe kan ons help, dat dinge beter kan gaan, en dit is die hart, so dat op die einde van die dag, die gemeentes en die lichaam van Christus, kan gezond wees, dit is die hart achter, dit is een gezonde werk, alles gaan nie perfect wees nie, en allemaal het hulle verskillende, fase waarin hulle is, maar is allemaal gezond, is die gemeentes gezond, en so ons ontvang vir Mike en die licht, Hy kom bedien so in die, in die, in die lijn met die focus op die um, woord wat ons het, op die skrif. So ek sien uit na dit. En Mike, come up, come uh, more than welcome here. And yeah, it's just a blessing to have you with us. Sien, die kort oukies. Uh, Mike is so bykie langer. Ek sien Mike staan uh, vroeger daar saam met Fritz en uh, Ria. En, en al die lange ouwens staan so saam. Ek het maar so saam met die kort oukies gaan staan. Jy wil af <laughs> Bless you, Mike. Thanks. All right. Um, great. Well, good morning. Um, yeah, it's really cool being with you all this morning again in, in the Paddle. Uh, we're just up the road in Wellington, so uh, it wasn't a long way for us to come this morning. And uh, we're here fairly often, so it's really good to see some old friends and old faces and new faces. So, um, yeah, we've been married 26 years now. And we've got three kids. Our oldest is actually on her way to uh, the United States uh, to join Andrew, which is very exciting, very scary. Um, going to support the young adults on that side. We've got a daughter in Bloemfontein, and she's in third year. Coming on to the Deacon team, actually, in Bloom in a few weeks' time. So, yeah, I'm quite amazing. And our son is in Wellington serving this morning. He's 16. So, yeah, so it's a real privilege to serve the Lord together. And, you know, what I love about just being part of a family of churches like this is, like, um, God is on the move. He really is. <clears throat> and we have the opportunity and the privilege to be global Christians. So while only some might go to Russia, the reality is all of us, you know, Jesus left the Great Commission for us, that all of us have to think in, in terms of the world. And actually that we have a mission to see God do something in the nations of the world. And I want to ask you, would you get your passport ready? Um, it's something I often say, like, but actually we should all have our passports ready because one of the blessings of being children of Abraham is that God gave a promise to Abraham saying that actually through Abraham, the nations would be blessed. And obviously that starts here. It starts with your neighborhood. Uh, so we don't neglect that. But actually we have a heart to say, Lord, would you send me? Would you use me? Um, you know, and we, if Abraham is our father by faith. He was the first to believe. And we have something of that inheritance to be a people like that. And uh, what an exciting privilege it is, man. You know, we're not just those that are just kind of existing. We're those that are living for the glory of God. And it's an incredible privilege um, that we're here to serve His purposes on the earth. 
it's a wonderful, wonderful privilege. And so, you know, one of the things, um, just as, um, that was free, by the way. That wasn't part of my message. That was just, that was just to bless you. That was free. Um, but uh, what I want to do is I want to share this morning around how God teaches us, how God teaches us. And um, just what chatting to Ruan and the elders, just seeing, obviously, the thread and the emphasis of Scripture and the Word of God. So, you know, obviously, as a people, and I've listened to actually some of the messages that have come through from Paul, just in what's been shared, and I know many of you have been on that journey. Um, but, you know, we're a people of the book, right? We don't worship the book. We don't uh, lift the book up equal to God. But the book is breathed out by God. And it's our rule for life and for godliness. And everything we do should be based upon the Word of God, upon the scriptures that are given to us for our edification, for our correction. And, um, but, you know, one of the things that we find, and I actually want us to look at Psalm 119, start there, and I just want to bring out a couple of points this morning. I don't want to preach from Psalm 119. <laughs> Let's go through it line by line. No. No, there's, uh, it's, it's the longest psalm in the Bible, won't do that, but I've been going through Psalm 119, and, as, and I want again, the theme is how God teaches us, and as I've been reading, I've been into the Psalms for a long time now, and just being nourished by the book of Psalms, um, by these songs given to the Lord, uh, poured out to Him, and one of the things that has struck me with Psalm 119 has been how the psalmist, the writer, you know, the whole theme of the psalm is essentially around the Word of God. It's, it's all about Scripture. It's all about how, you know, he speaks about how I love your precepts, how your Word is better, and he uses um, all these kind of words to describe his love for the Bible and how he loves the Word, he loves the law, and you're struck by that when you read Psalm 119. He writes about how God's Word is a source of delight, of strength, of wisdom, and of life for him. Um, in the midst of actually going through a lot of trouble that he was at the time, the psalmist was experiencing hardship, and there were people that were attacking him because of his love and his belief in the Scriptures. And so if you read Psalm 119, you see that throughout the psalm, it speaks about trouble and suffering that he's going through because he loves the Word and he's upholding truth. Uh, does that sound similar in our culture today? Uh, it often is if you're a follower of Jesus. But one thing that he does as he talks about his love for Scripture and his love for the, the Word and the commands and the laws of God, how he delights in it, the one thing that has struck me that I didn't notice before is how he says, and he actually says it 17 times in the Psalms in different ways, but he basically prays and says, Lord, would you teach me your word? Would you give me understanding to know your word? And something that, you know, we'd, I don't know if you often pray that, where you say, Lord, would you teach me? Because I can't understand or read the Word of God in my own strength. I need God to read God's Word. That's quite a, a, a thought that, that you need the Lord to help you understand His Word. In other words, if you're not in relationship with Him, it actually is meaningless. How many of you have tried to read the Bible and understand it before you got saved, before you became born again or gave your life to Christ? For me, I, it didn't make sense. You know, it was, it was all Chinese to me. And I want us to read two scriptures to start off with. 
um, and how he, we see this, Psalm 119, verse 29, he says, and this is done, he shares this 11 times, this kind of phrase. He says, put false ways far from me and graciously teach me your law. Don't you love that? He's, he's saying, God, and he mentions that 11 times, Lord, teach me, graciously teach me your law. Then in Psalm 119, 34, and this phrase, give me understanding, is used six times, where he says, Lord, would you give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. So he's praying for the Lord to teach him. He's praying for the Lord to give him understanding. He's not just approaching the Bible in an intellectual way or in a way that you would approach it with any other book. He's approaching it in prayer, and he's coming to the Lord. And what I want to do is I want to bring out five ways in which God teaches us today. How does God teach you and I practically through the Word? What does this look like? Um, and there might be more, but I'm kind of summarizing it in five ways that God teaches us. And the reason that I'm doing that, my friends, you know, because we're not, a, we're not the Catholic Church. What do I mean by that? It means that we don't have a pope who decides and decrees along with bishops what you should believe in terms of, um, you know, official church teaching. That We have to be equipped in terms of are we wrestling through it and learning in the way that the Lord wants us to learn. But he gives us different avenues or ways that we should be learning for ourselves um, God's truth and God's word. And so I want to give you five things this morning around that. Number one, that God teaches us, and I'm going to look at different scriptures from different portions of um, the Bible. I'm not going to stay in Psalm 119, but I want us to look, number one, how does God teach you? How does he teach you? Number one, he teaches us through the Holy Spirit. He teaches us through the Holy Spirit. And in John 14, 26, Jesus says this about the Holy Spirit. He says, the helper the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance and all that I have said to you. So it says that the teacher that you will have is the person of the Holy Spirit. And don't you find that when you get born again, when the Holy Spirit begins to live within you, suddenly the Word of God comes alive, right? Have you experienced that? where you, you suddenly have this love for Scripture, and you want to read the Bible, and suddenly it's like, this is all, I didn't know this before, you know? I know for me, I actually got saved out of the Catholic Church. I know there are Christians in the Catholic Church, but I got saved. I'd never heard the gospel, and I was 17 years old, and I heard the gospel. I gave my life to Christ. I got saved, fortunately, into a healthy church that was just healthy leaders, but like this, and, um, and I began to devour Scripture. I'd never read the Bible in my life. Never. I had it on my bookshelf. I think I'd maybe try to pick it up once or twice. Was not interested. I'd heard it at church. I'd never actually been encouraged to read the Bible. I remember my father would always say to me, you know, the Bible is for the priests to understand. And they'll kind of explain to us. I was like, okay. You know, that was just, I thought that's the way it was. And I began to devour the scriptures. A 17-year-old, I remember sitting in my room at night, 
and I just couldn't get enough. I was like, what does Peter say? You know, like babes eagerly drinking spiritual milk. And I was like, oh, I, just, I just want to understand. And I remember having to struggle through my own church background that I had to unlearn certain things that were actually hindering me in the kingdom of God. I remember reading the book of Galatians and struggling with this idea of even infant baptism. I was like, but I've been baptized as a child, or how does that work, you know, and, and why should I be baptized again as an adult? And I was struggling even with like the law and expecting what God expected of me. And I remember reading the book of Galatians, and it utterly set me free in terms of legalism. But God taught me, he had to come, and the Holy Spirit had to come and say, as you read the word, I'm going to show you my ways. And you know, one of the things about even coming into more of the kingdom of God is that God often has to, un, we have to unlearn things. We have to learn how to undo things that maybe have been unhealthy. Maybe even church tradition that you've come out of that actually is against what God says, and it actually begins to oppose Maybe it's conservatism. You know, one of the great things in Afrikaans culture is it's a conservative culture. Because I've worked with Afrikaans culture we've, for a long time. We led a church in the Klenkerua, Otsuren. Ek was daar, man. In the Klenkerua. We led a church here. We led it, obviously, we led in Wellington. We've, we understand, and I'm not Afrikaans, I'm French. But I understand, and I've come out of a conservative culture. And some of that, I want to say, is it's not, it's, it's actually demonic. Because we're bound into something that God would want to set us free in. And I remember when I was a young believer, I had to learn how to even raise my hands. Like, that was hard because my church culture said, no, 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 be quiet, you know, be still, and know that I am God. By the way, when Psalm says, be still and know that I am God, it's not referring to being quiet in a church service. It's referring to the nations being, be quiet, he is God, stop fighting against God. That's what it's saying, right? And I think sometimes it's like we, we get duped by culture. And what the Holy Spirit does is as we get exposed to the word is that it should break down even things of our culture that should come against the things that the Lord wants to do. And, uh, you know, this is a, sometimes a difficult thing. We, we, it's not easy, but that's what the kingdom of God does. The kingdom of God comes against the kingdoms of this world and there's a clash of the kingdoms. And he comes and he disturbs us. You know, we come into the kingdom and sometimes we pray, Lord, would you change me? Here I am. Would you grow me? And you know what he does? I know C.S. Lewis once said this. He said, then the Lord comes into your home, so to speak, and he comes with a jackhammer. All right, I'm going to renovate your life. But you've built this wall and that wall and that wall. You've got this way of thinking, and I have to break that down because it's not in accordance with my word, and I'm going to teach you a new way. And what does he do? He comes and he begins to smash down walls. He begins to make you uncomfortable. And then it's like, that's not nice, Lord. Ah, this is so uncomfortable. Ah, you know, being a Christian, this isn't what, well, you asked me to change you. But as we begin to build it properly, he actually begins to do something beautiful in us. And we begin to reflect what we made to be in the image of God. Um, and so the Holy Spirit teaches us. Uh, there's another scripture in 1 John 2:27. It's a similar idea, but it uses a different word. But it says, the anointing that you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true, and is no lie, just as 
has been taught, just as it has taught you, abide in him. Now, this is a tricky scripture. Is John saying here that you don't need human leaders? Is he saying here that you don't need teachers? Because actually, all you need is the Holy Spirit and his anointing. That's effectively, the anointing is a symbol of the work of the Spirit. And I want to see now that, no, that's not what he's saying. But he's saying that fundamentally, our relationship must be from the Lord. In other words, that God writes his law on our hearts, and you know right and wrong because the Lord shows you, he tells you, and he gives you his word. Ultimately, that's the basis of our relationship with him. And we know that we have to actually let Scripture interpret Scripture. And so we actually see just now that there are other ways that God teaches us as well. Now, unfortunately, I've, I know friends like this, they read this, they go, ha, I don't need, any, I don't need the church. I don't need leaders. I don't need teachers. I don't need, I've just got God in me, you know. And um, God, me, and TBN on TV. God TV. That's all I need, you know. And maybe folk that have been disillusioned or maybe they've even been hurt in church and then they avoid any sense of the, the family of God. That's not the ways of the Lord, as you'll see now now. Um, but we need the Spirit to convict and speak us. I want to ask you, when last did you have the Lord speaking to you and teaching you? Uh, when last did you have the Lord, as you uh, read the Word, maybe begin to remind you and bring out things from Scripture that actually, oh, Lord, you, you're teaching me here. Uh, I'll share one story with you, just something that happened to me. Um, uh, I was, we were on holiday a while ago, and we went to the Southern Cape. I don't think I've... Sh- I'm, maybe I'll share this here. I don't know. I travel around a bit, so sometimes the same stories get shared in various places. So forgive me if I've shared this before. But uh, we were in the Southern Cape on holiday and um, in Mossel Bay. And one morning uh, on holiday, I, I was reading through Philippians. And I was at the end of Philippians chapter 1, where Paul's writing about how people preach the gospel with false motives. And how some people preach out of envy and rivalry, and some preach to basically look, make themselves look good, and, and there's a competitive spirit to jealousy and to make Paul look bad. And he was pre- sharing this, and he says, but it doesn't matter. As long as the gospel's preached, praise God. And he's carrying on. You know, he's like, I don't mind, man. God will deal with those guys. They're preaching with the wrong motive out of envy and rivalry. I, and I remember reading that and thinking, like, what? Whoever would want to preach from jealousy and envy and rivalry, like, what a terrible thing to preach from, you know, out of that, that, that motive. And when I was reading that, I felt the Holy Spirit begin to, te- and I, he just he dropped in my mind. He said, Mike, that is you. You are that man. I was like, shocked. What? How can that be? And as I began to chew on, and remember, I'm like, I'm chewing on the scriptures. I'm, I'm thinking about it as I'm reading it. And the Lord drops this thing in me, and the Holy Spirit, I felt him say to me, you have got a, um, there was another kind of, um, one of the other guys in Josh Jen, who's a very influential uh, teacher in Josh Jen, and we would work together, and he wasn't doing well. In fact, we had stepped him off ministry for a while, just because he needed to work on his marriage. And I felt the Lord say, but you actually haven't wanted him to do well. In fact, you've in your heart rejoiced that he's not doing well because you can actually look better. And now you can emerge as a teacher, not that guy. Subtly, and I realized I had a shadow in my heart towards him. And I realized that I hadn't been praying for him. I hadn't been praying for his marriage. I hadn't been praying for the Lord to restore him. 
And I was like, oh, actually, I'm guilty, Lord. I've, there's been envy, and I've been competitive against him. And, uh, and I, I went, actually went home back to, to Wellington at that time we were leading, and I actually shared it with our leadership team. Um, I think you guys had gone to Paul already, I'm not sure. Um, and I just said, guys, you know, I didn't share who the person was, but I just confessed, like, guys, I struggle with competitiveness and envy. And I want to say that I'm bringing this into the light so you know a little bit about my own struggles. Because the Holy Spirit had taught me. It's like, oh, Lord, what a wonderful God you are. Thank you, Father, that you haven't left me alone. You know, that you're kind enough to point out those things in my heart. Because he wants me to do well. And he wants us to do well. So I want to ask you, are you allowing the Holy Spirit to correct you and convict you and teach you? Uh, and show you the scriptures in a way. And I can share positive stories. That's maybe like a, a bad one, you know. I've had encouraging ones as well. But that should be the life of the spirit, right? We're a spirit people. We're a spirit people. We're a people that engage with the scriptures by the help of the Holy Spirit. And we walk with him, with the scriptures. That's how he informs and teaches us. I want to ask you if you haven't had that. At the end, I want to give you a, something maybe to help you with that. Just that can kind of actually practically, how do you do that? And I'll just, I'll end with that. How does the Holy Spirit teach us? The second way it teaches us is through leaders and teachers, right? And the Bible also says that in the body of Christ, the Holy Spirit gives elders and apostles and prophets and teachers to the body so that we can learn from them, right? And that also comes from God. And so 1 Corinthians 12, 28 and God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and carries on with all the different gifts, and mentions that they're gifted people, and their job is to teach the Word of God to us. Another scripture, 1 Timothy 3.2, I didn't put that on there, but you, you know it well probably, it gives the qualifications of a local pastor or an elder. And one of the qualifications is you must be able to teach. And the job of a pastor, an elder, must be able to obviously teach us the Word of God. So while the Holy Spirit is teaching you, you actually have people that are in authority that have been trained and are qualified, definitely in our public meetings, to be able to bring the Word of God. And our posture towards that is one of the same as when we posture to the Lord, God, I want to submit under that because I want to learn from you because ultimately that comes from you. And, um, you know, I was talking to our, our, um, our son in the car, what was it yesterday, we were driving to the gathering, we were talking about bad preaching. <laughs> and preaching that's like, um, maybe, and we were talking about like, oh yeah, we were talking about who's your favorite preacher in 412 and Josh Jane, we played this game. Okay, so who's your favorite preacher? And I asked Dan, you know, who his favorite teacher preacher is. Uh, I must say, he said, Dad, I, I really enjoy you, you're like... <laughs> You're up there. You're up there, Dad. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I asked Andy who her favorite preacher was, and what did you say? Me. <laughs> so, anyway, so that's... Uh... <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not doing any favors here, right? Anyway, and then she... <laughs> so, why did I share? <laughs> so, what happened was, um, I think it's because she can understand me, because I'm not, like, going in 15 directions. So, anyway, and she, they actually mentioned a whole lot of other people. So, uh, but... We're talking about like preachers that, and then he's like, Dad, there's certain guys I just can't understand. Like when they share, I know afterwards I feel really encouraged, but I just don't know what they said. 
You ever feel like that, right? I, you know, and I know I get like that too. And um, and so you know, and then we talk about then then like, but uh, and then I struggle. I, I might as well not even go to church when that person's there. Oh, and I was like, no, 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 no. Actually, if they're up there, then and they're going to share something of truth. We have to posture ourselves. That actually, you know, you look at the parable of the sower, and the thing with the parable of the sower is that never ever is it the condition of the seed that's the problem. That's the condition of the heart. You know, and sometimes you can have someone who maybe isn't very skillful, but they are sowing seed. And there's always something we learn. And if we don't learn, even from the, the most unskillful preacher, but if we know that there's seed, there's truth coming out, you, sh- you should be able to receive and let the Lord speak to you, even through the, the worst or the most confusing message, because it's the condition of the heart. And so we were talking about that yesterday, and, I, and I've had to posture myself, Lord, I'm not the professional. I don't stand up here as one. I'm a student as, as much as you are, but God's word gives that to you. And I want to ask you, do you come with a posture of humility? That when you're having someone coming up who's sharing the word of God, and I want to say especially if they're in a position of authority in terms of an elder or someone gifted to teach or minister or lead in the church, rather than sit like this, you know, like, who are they? What are they going to teach me that I don't know, you know? You, we will never learn anything if we do that. But the posture, and while we can test, of course, we, we mustn't throw our brains away, but the posture of like, Lord, I want to come and sit under your word. I was going to share this at the end, but let me just share it now. In Isaiah 66, verse, um, it's verse 2. I'd like us to read this. Isaiah 66, verse 2. It describes the kind of person that catches God's attention and that the Lord looks upon. Very interesting. It says this, and all these things my hand has made. And so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one in whom I will look. Who will God look upon? He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. And God is looking for people rather than we sit, even we do this with scripture, we can sit above scripture. Okay, I'm going to read what can it teach me. And we can sit above preachers and those in authority, but rather God's heart is we come under and say, Lord, I, I want to posture myself. I want to be humble. I want to be teachable. I don't want to think that I've arrived. I want to make sure that I, I, I want to learn from in, in whatever way you want to teach me. And when we have that, my friends, I, I honestly believe that brings the blessing of God. That's the one the Lord says, I will look upon you and I will open up. I will, you want understanding? I will give you understanding. And I think too often, um, especially if you've been a Christian for a long period of time, I know it's something I've struggled with. We think, well, I've heard it all before. What can I learn that's new? And I think that posture of letting the Lord bring insight and revelation, even through ways we, we would think we would know, it's so important. I want to ask you as well, um, let's go to the third one and then I'll, I'll end. Third one. How else does the Lord teach us? He, through older women teaching younger women. Let's look at Titus chapter 2, 3 to 4. And this speaks about older women teaching. Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to too much wine. They are to teach what is good and so train the young women to love their husbands and their children. And one of the, the ways God teaches us is through older ladies teaching younger ladies. Is, I want to ask you, is that a culture among us? 
where we, if you're young, and again, younger doesn't have to mean always, older doesn't have to be that you're retired or you're on pension or that you are, your kids are out the house. It can mean that, but older also can mean someone who's spiritually mature. And I think it's important that, that in the household of God, we have men, you know, that's why it's wonderful to see these ladies. The ladies' times are often the older ladies teaching the younger ladies. And it's so important that that's the way God is teaching. Let's look at the fourth one. Through parents to children. Proverbs 1 verse 8, it says this, Hear, my son, your father's instruction. And interesting, it doesn't stop there because some say, oh, well, it's the father of the home that should teach the children. But it doesn't say that. Proverbs goes on and says, do not forsake your mother's teaching. So the son had to learn from the father and from the mother. And in fact, both were given authority to teach the children. And I think sometimes we can be, you know, we want the men to lead, but the danger of that is that the ladies don't rise up and are empowered in the home to lead alongside with their men. And Proverbs does that the whole time. Listen to your mother's teaching. You know, they asked um, John Wesley, the famous theologian, the famous reformer. Um, he started the Methodist Church years ago. And they asked him, who is the most influential person in your life? And they expected him to say, you know, like some great Bible preacher or teacher or mentor that he had. And he said, it's my mother, Susanna Wesley. And he said, all that I learned about God came from my mother. His theology, and his mother was very sharp as well. She taught him theology. He learned theology from his mother. And I think as well, like I want to ask you that maybe if you're, if you're a father here or you're involved, be very careful how we, are you empowering your wife to make sure she has as much voice? I want to say, ladies, make sure that you don't subvert your husbands, but there's this relationship that we have, father and mother in the home, and that's how parents grow. I want to say as well this, don't ever delegate to children's ministry. Oh, well, it's their job to teach my children the truth. You know, oh, it's the, it's at school they've got a, um, a Bible class. Whew, okay, I'm off the hook. Because I don't know the Bible as well as maybe the kids' church teachers. No. If that is your attitude, then you actually, the Lord would want to, you have to adjust that attitude. Because it's your thing as a parent. And the thing is this, whether, if you're not teaching them, you're actually still teaching them by your example. For good or for evil. And so, parents, start to get to know your Bibles and start to share. This is the way that we did it in our home. So, I'm being very practical uh, this morning. But uh, this is the way we did it in our home. Sometimes we would do family devotions where we'd get each child to kind of, okay, you're not used to share. Sometimes I would share. But we realized for our family, we just, for some reason, it didn't actually work that well. We, We weren't that good at doing family devotions. Some are better than us. So what we did is when they were growing up, I'd always tell my kids stories going to bed. And we'd pull them together, and I had this whole running story about these two little rabbits. And uh, there were these farmyards, and it went for about four years where every night I made up a new story. But I always took Bible verses and scripture and values, and I would teach them through the stories. And uh, it was like the highlights of the evening when they were little, Bobby and Susie Rabbit. And all these farmyard animals and how they would, there was the big bad wolf. And we had all these characters that developed over time. And often they said, Dad, you should have turned that into a book because it would have been really cool. But that's the way we taught them. Another way we did is we would read to them. 
We would read to them good books that instilled something of truth and values to them. And, and, and they've grown up serving the Lord in their own right. But we took responsibility as, as parents to instill them, often in creative ways. Um, recently, my son, over the last year or two, has been saying, Dad, can we do Bible study together? So we sometimes sit down, not every Saturday, but on the odd Saturday, and we would just read, okay, what book of the Bible do you want to do? And we actually sit down together. We do, we've been going through Acts, and, okay, let's just read it. And then what stands out for you? You know, it's not, there's no preparation. We're just reading it together, what stands out, and we're talking about it. And it's been one of those beautiful things that has developed, but not in a kind of a, we have to now. You know, I've, we've kind of, I've tried to keep it loose and in a way that would bring life. That's for us what's worked. And I want to ask you, uh, I want to say if you're single here and one day, or you don't have kids yet, ask the Lord to come and give you this heart that you would instill those things into your kids, even as the Lord has put that into you. And then lastly, number five, how should we, how does God teach us? Through one another. And let's look at 1 Corinthians 14, 26. Through one another. And uh, it's interesting. It speaks about that when the church gathers, he says, What then, brothers? When you come together, this is as a church, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. And he says here that we, some come with a song. So in other words, when we come together, right, we come ready to give. And it's interesting, each one comes. Now, it doesn't mean that every single person has to share. I don't think that's actually what Paul's saying here, that each one comes. Now, okay, I've got my song. I've got my little lesson. I've got my, we will be here till Monday morning, if that's the case, you know. That's not the heart. I think what Paul's trying to say here is that when you come as the church, when you meet, be ready to give. You've got something in your heart and you're ready to contribute um, during worship or in the, in the message, in, in, the, in the meeting, that none of us are spectators. There's no, there's no spectators in the house of God. We're all those that are saying, come on, I'm, I'm going to put my, my foot forward and I'm going to trust God. And again, I want to challenge you that this is scripture. It says, when you come together, you come, each one comes. I want to ask you, I mean, we all have those Sundays when we come it's like we've had that week, man, it's from, you know, the pit of hell. Or maybe you've just had a difficult Saturday or you've woken up on the wrong side of the bed and you just, you're just barely making it to the service. The fact you're here, that is a victory, right? Never mind, like, like I'm here, look, don't, you know. But actually, the heart of, this is the value of us as a local church, is like every one of you is important. And sometimes that you might bring a word, you might share something, and your word could change the direction of us as a church. It's really that important. We take every single saint's contribution seriously because we are the body of Christ. We're not about the gurus and the professionals, as Andrew mentioned last night. Not at all. And, and yet, but if you don't come with something to give, then actually we won't hear that. And part of it's actually praying and saying, Lord, I'm going to come and I'm going to actually be prepared for the service this morning. I'm going to be ready and I'm going to give it to the elders and if that's right, then, you know, we, that is part of the body of Christ. And look what he says here. It says, when you come, each one is a hymn, and this is the word that I want to focus on, has a lesson. Each one has a lesson. In other words, or some versions say, one has a teaching or an instruction. And the way that God teaches informally is through you and I. 
is through you. So someone might share a word that might change the direction of your life. Maybe a scripture, and that's the way that God would teach by His Spirit. That maybe it would even, when we pray for one another, that's the way that God does it, not through just teachers in the church. Amen? Does that make sense? So in closing, um, I've given you these five things. And the heart of God is that He wants us to be a people that not just read the Word, but that we understand the Word. You know, He's a God that gives us truth, and He wants us to know it and to obey it. And He wants us ultimately not just to know the information, but He wants us to know the author, which is Himself. And what is beautiful about Scripture is that the Scriptures lead us to the author of the Scriptures. Lord, teach me. And ultimately, all teaching must point back to the One, to Jesus, to the Father, to the Spirit, to the cross, and our hope is in that. And my friends, I want to ask us today, is like, how do we treat this Word? Are we those that are coming to be taught, or are those that we are coming thinking, well, I kind of, I've read this enough. Or are we having the posture of saying, please, Lord, I want to come, I want to learn, I want to take the posture of a student. Even, you might be 90 years old, and I want to be this when I'm 90, if I'm alive, God willing. Please, Lord, I want to, I want to learn. I want to grow. I know that I've, I've seen part, and I know in part, and I have limited understanding. Please, Lord, would you teach me according to your gracious word? By your spirit, would you show me? Would you, would you put elders in my life? Would you put men around me, women around me, God, that will show me and teach me your ways? If we don't have that, we will never flourish and grow in the ways of the Lord. And I want to urge you that our posture would be that. This is the one that I will look upon, says the Lord. This is the one that will catch my attention. The one who's contrite and humble and who trembles at my word. And, uh, oh, Lord, would you help us? Please, Lord. I don't know about you, but we need help. We need help. We need Him. We need truth. We need one another. God, we need you. God, we are desperate for you. Let's pray together this morning that we would posture ourselves well. No pride. No independence. Come, Lord, this morning. Oh, Lord, we want to come under you this morning, under your word. We want to posture ourselves well, not only under your word, but even under the leaders, Lord, here. We want to give ourselves, Father, into your purposes and into those that, that are um, over us in the Lord, those who are even called to teach. We want to learn, Lord, as you would want us to learn. We thank you, Father, today that you've given us all these different ways that you teach us not independent of one another. It's, not, it's the Holy Spirit. It is gifted teachers. It's elders. It's one another. It's parents. It's, it's older women, older men in the church. Lord, we thank you. You've given us all of the above. And Lord, we say we, we receive from that, Father God. We want to pray like the psalmist did. We want to pray that prayer of the psalmist. And just with your eyes closed, I'm going to read two of those verses from Psalm 119. And I want you in your heart, even as I read this, I want you to say, Lord, let this be my prayer. Psalm 119, 29, put false ways far from me and graciously teach me your law. Psalm 119, 34, give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. 
Oh God, that's our prayer today. Please, Lord, would you come? We want to acknowledge, Lord, today that we are weak, that we see in part, that we are unable, we don't know all the truth, we haven't arrived. We want to acknowledge, Lord, that we are those that worship the one, only you are full of truth. We love you, Lord. Lord, we worship you this morning. Oh, Lord, we worship you. Father, forgive us that maybe even where at times you hear, maybe you've had a posture and of pride or of independent spirit, or maybe you've got comfortable. Actually, you haven't come to the, the word like that. You, maybe your posture has been wrong. And even now, just let the Lord just convict you of that. Just say, Lord, oh, yeah, I, if you feel the Holy Spirit teaching you right now, prodding you, prompting you, just even to say, oh, Lord, I'm sorry. Oh, Lord, I want to adjust my posture. I want to I I be soft in your hands. Come and do that, Lord. Come and wash us with the word. Wash us today. We love you, Lord. We thank you that we are those that are loved by God in Jesus. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We worship you this morning. You are fairer than 10,000. You are the bright and morning star. You are the Prince of Peace. You are the King of Kings. You are the, um, the great counselor, as Isaiah says. You are the, the one in whom the government is upon your shoulders. You are a God. You're Emmanuel, God with us. Lord, we are your people, and you are our God. We are a people of your book, of your word. We are bound to it. And your word is alive and active, sharper than a turgid sword. Would it come and cut us this morning? Would you cut us, Lord? Would you cut away the parts that don't re reflect you? Oh, would you nourish the parts that do and cause it to bear fruit? Come this morning, Lord. Train us. Train us as your people. Worship you this morning. Let's just stand a bit more in an attitude of worship. We worship you this morning, Lord. Could we stand? Let's stand together and just respond to him. I just want us to stay in this attitude. I just want to, let's just trust what the Lord wants to do right now. We worship you this morning, Father. Honor you and glorify you. We worship you, Lord. Can we sing that old song, Here I Am to Worship? I just want to sing it just like a cappella. We don't need instruments. Here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God, you're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. And here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God, you're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, 
all together wonderful to me. And here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God, you're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to me. And I'll never know how much it costs to see my sin upon that cross. And I'll never know how much it costs to see my sin upon that cross. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, we want to declare that we are here to worship you. We want to declare, Lord, that you're our God, that there would be no other gods before you. We worship you this morning. Can we just, I want us to exercise something. Ruan in the worship said, you know, one of the ways we say to the Lord that we love him is, well, is by saying we love him. And I want us just where we are, I want you in your own words right now, just say that you love him. Can we do that? Let's just raise our voices. Father, we want to declare this morning we love you. We love you, Lord. Lord, we worship you. Oh, God, we declare that we love you this morning. There is no one like you. We love you, Lord. Oh, we love you, Lord. Oh, Lord, we love you this morning, Lord. Lord, we thank you that it's not about you're building a people to reflect the glory and the image of God. Oh, Lord, we thank you that you've called us to great and high and holy calling in you, Lord God. That you've called us to serve you and your purposes in our generation. Oh, Lord, we thank you that you're not after the ones and twos, but you want us all to serve you, Father. Oh, we give ourselves afresh to you, the shepherd and the chief shepherd of our souls. How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God, and all will see how great, how great is our God. Let's sing how great. How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God, and all will see how great, how great is our God. He's the name above all names. You're the name above all names. You are worthy of all praise. And my heart will sing, how great is our God. This is a moment longer, just wait on the Lord. Let's just wait on the Lord a moment longer. I want to see, is there anyone that has a just prophetic, I don't want to close the meeting. It might be that the Lord wants to maybe just highlight something this morning. I just felt that the Lord said, you become what you behold. 
And um, in the worship, if we sing about God and if we sing about His goodness and His greatness, then um, we say, turn your heart upon Jesus. And all these other things will go slightly dim in the light of His presence. So I just feel that God is almost recalibrating us and say, I want you to focus on the goodness and, and, the, and the excellence and the love of God because then things move in the Spirit. Yeah, I just felt God highlighting the independent spirit. And what I saw was, um, if you are independent, you're actually isolated and, uh, and weak. Uh, there's no safety or protection if you're isolated from God's grace and mercy or from the, the protection or the unity that there is within a congregation. Um, and, and, you know, ways that we can be independent is... Uh, usually we, it, we would struggle to submit to, to one another or um, we would be with, uh, not living in the, in the light and not sharing our lives with, with each other. And uh, yeah, I just I, I felt like we need to repent and, and I'll, start, I'll start off because God, I'm so guilty of thinking that I know what is right, Lord God. I'm so guilty of doing things my way first and then asking later, God, and, um, and, and being maybe, a sh God, I think ashamed, Lord, of, of just sharing and being open uh, with my life, God, and I, I just want to publicly repent and say, God, I'm so, uh, to you, I'm sorry, Lord, and, and, and Father, I think as a congregation, Father, where you are highlighting that in, in an individual's life right now, you know if God is speaking to you, you know if the Holy Spirit is convicting you. It's not me trying to convince you that it's you. You feel the unction of the Lord. You feel the Spirit drawing you. And, and God wants to draw you nearer to Him. Um, and, but, but I do believe you need to take a step in and to repent. Um, in Jesus' name. Uh, I was just feeling really at the, when we were worshiping this morning that we need to take the crown, our own pride, and the crowns that we wear. The, the me, the, the I, the stand-up, take the crown off and lay it at Jesus' feet. And people don't see, not going to see me and, and me, how good I am and how wonderful I am, but people need to look at us and see Jesus, not me. And just lay down your crowns, what you think you've built and what you've done and, and who you are. Um, I like sleeping in a dark room, so I, or I like when I sleep it's when it's dark. But my bathroom has like like um, bubbly windows, so there's no um, curtain in front of my window. And this morning I walk out of my dark room and into the bathroom, and there was something that just hit me when I walk into the bathroom with the early morning light coming in. It was so fresh it was so it just and then the, that word that's over our congregation about the new dawn um, just hit my heart so like there's something about the light of God that we need to let into our darkness um, there's this artist I don't know where he's from that I recently I stumbled on his page and he has been struggling with um, demonic activities from a young age and he became an artist and he incorporated this demonic 
being so whenever he makes a video he brings it up and that kind of tickled a lot of people so he has this big following and a video that I recently saw about him is like while painting speaking about it and then he says he's got all this old ladies telling him when this when he encounters this thing he must call on the name of Jesus and maybe I will do it but it's interesting for him and then I realized um, he's not opposed to it but somewhere he's his identity became in this activity. So he doesn't really want to let go of that. And I realized in my own life, and I think in some of us, we've been walking with stuff so long, it's becoming our identity. And it gives us some kind of um, attention. So we don't want to let go of it. But that new light, we need to let that new light come in. And submit those things to the Lord and let him come and heal and break through and take us to the levels that he has for us. I want to quickly um, just link with Elizabeth on, on identity and, and we sort of ma- uh, mentioned the, the independence and the thing that stirred on in my heart and I'm submitting you can take the mic any, any days. It's easy to come and say, be, don't be independent. Come to, you know, say, I will not be independent. I will. And I feel it's an idol. There's an idol of independence. And, and it's often in our parenting. We idolize our kids being independent. You are a good parent if your child can. Do this alone. Do that alone. Do this alone. And you were raised like that. You were. How do you know you're a success? I never have to call anyone. And this weekend was very real for me with my own children, which, like, this is, if you know me a little bit, you will know I hate it that people glorify and their children being independent. Like, I'm not being saying about clingy, I'm talking about children feeling they have to be adults at the age of eight. And we, like, my kid can basically live on their own at eight. That's not good. It, and if you feel like, yes, I could have done it when I was that age, and you sort of feel proud about it, like, yes an idol of independence and the the other extreme is of course dependence but there's an interdependence and I told my son I said because he's a teenager and that you know they sort of don't want to be independent which is great but I told him you know what that's not how God created us there's a part of me that you should use as a resource it's a part of our of our of our family and and that is healthy super independence you know if you make it out there on your own I'm not going to feel like you're, you're so much better than your brother that phones me for a lift. It's not the truth. It's an idol because I want to be able to stand and say I did it on my own. And, and so I just want to call it like that, an idol. It's something we, 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 we strive to. Is I can do it alone. My kids can do it alone. But then when we have a meeting like this, we say, I don't want to be... I don't want to be independent, but there's a, there's a spirit, an essence that we value interdependence. It's just, um, all right, we're going to close. Well, what we're going to do is, I did want to respond, you know, there's been a number of words. I know there's probably some more as well, but one of the things, and I think we have to respond, you know, because if we don't always respond, and sometimes it means saying, hey, I need prayer, right, as a family, and maybe there's an area that, that, that you feel like you've been convicted of this morning, and um, yeah, and if that's you, would you, 
Just raise your hand. Just say, that's me. I feel like the Lord has convicted me and spoken to me about an area this morning. And I, yeah, I just then want to pray for us as we do uh, for those. Um, I think we'll just do a general prayer and then we'll close. But uh, Father, for those who have responded this morning, um, Lord, you feel convicted that maybe areas that have been in the dark or uh, haven't been fully in the light, uh, areas where they would need to know that you want to come and change in, Lord. Maybe a heart of, uh, parts of hardness that you want to soften. Would you come right now by your Spirit? Would you empower? Would you soften? And Lord, we repent. And I think it's appropriate right now that you repent. Say, Lord, I'm sorry. I repent. I turn from that. I recognize it's sin or it's wrong. And Lord, today I, I'm going to draw a line. And I'm going to ask you to come and help me change in Jesus' name. Um, Lord, I'm not going to be a victim. I'm going to learn to, um, to trust you and to give myself to those over in authority over me and trust you in, even in them in Jesus' name. So we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your voice that gets heard. We thank you, Lord, that you are speaking and you are speaking to get our, our attention. Um, and we bless you and love you for that today in Jesus' name. So as we close, I'm going to hand over to Rowan. But um, if you need prayer over any of these areas, I know the elders will be around um, specifically just on anything else that over this. But um, I'll hand back, hand over, back over. Oh, great. Thank you so much, Mike. Uh, I think it was uh, yeah, so good. And I will feel unmoved as you're eating in your heart. Wakker gemaakt. Moet nie, moet nie laat net wegdrijf nie, maar praat met een van ons op die eldership of jou community leier, en het is saam met jou bid in dit, en het uh, jy of oorwinning krij, of deurbraak krij, wat vir die heren, uh, of wat die heren met jou mee gepraat het. Ek hoop jy het een wonderlijke week, jy kan nog so'n bykie rondhang, vir koffie en sovoorts, en uh, mag jy een kraai dag hee. Sien vir julle.